0: Hey guys, okay, Lando's, um, Lando's quite the hype man today, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Tony, uh, I'm a resident here at U of M, and I'm excited, I'm excited to be here, um, I'm excited to be here with you guys, and, and so we'll be opening up 2 Corinthians today, so if you have a Bible with you, or an app, or just look along with somebody, it's like near the beginning of the New Testament, and, and I want to tell you guys a quick story of why I uh, chose this text, and so, if you guys know our head pastor, Drew Stevenson, you know that he's kind of wild, and like his way of living, and he's just a radical dude, and I remember being out in California with him, and some of you guys who are on spring break already have heard this story. I remember being out in California with him, and we hit a workout together, and um, he was listening to something while he was on the elliptical, and I've like never seen someone go that hard on an elliptical before. Like, you see that, and you're like, "Mm." He's listening to something good, okay? And I was like, man, okay, I can't wait till he gets off so I can ask him what he was listening to. And so I'm like, Drew, what, like, like, is it a song? Is it like a podcast? Like, am I about to get some knowledge bombs? And he just looks me dead in the eyes. No expression. Just says, oh, you know, like, Second Corinthians. And so that's what we're opening up to today. That's my transition. Yes, I know. It's a wonderful intro. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Second Corinthians verse one. I'm just gonna start reading. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Cool. So I think right here we get a couple signs into who Paul is. So Paul is an apostle. Okay, and and he's. His job description, he's an apostle of Jesus by the will of God and not by the will of man. And so when we read these greetings, we get kind of an insight into like what this book is gonna be about. And this is Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. Um, and, And the church at Corinth was a lot like us. Like they had some issues, they weren't always like super faithful, but Paul's whole point of writing these letters was to extend grace and peace from God, and and that's like a beautiful thing, and he echoes that in almost every letter he writes. Um, And so our three main points today is gonna be who is God? God comforts those who suffer, and your hope is unshaken, okay? So point number one, who is God? You guys are gonna notice I have some killer transitions. That's a joke. Okay, (laughs) who is God, all right? Verse three, okay. Jordan, Jordan's looking, okay, anyways. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So when we ask the question, like, who is God? I think, like, I think of the way that I will describe a friend, okay? So if you were like, who's Colin Provart?" Okay, so maybe you're new here and you didn't just see his amazing announcements and you were like, who's Colin Provart?" Like, I could say he's, like, tall, kind of pasty, a little bit lanky, and if you mix a hipster with a frat boy, you get Colin Provar. Like, that's what I could say, but I wouldn't because I love you. Okay, um, here's what I would say, okay? I would say that Colin inspires me to love Jesus more, that he serves people, and he's always picking up the phone when I have questions about how to fill out stuff, and he's, he's always there for me. So I would say Colin is one of my best friends, and that's how I would describe Colin. I think what we get to see in verse 3 is a description of God, who God is, his character, who you would say to somebody else if you were to define who God is, okay? And I think God is the God of immeasurable and infinite resource. And I think we see this because in verse 3 it says that God is the God of all comfort. And what I love about that is it's like intentionally kind of vague, you know? Like it, it doesn't say it's like situationally comforting when you really need him or when he has time, or when it's convenient. No, it's like God is the God of all comfort. And it just blows my mind because he has infinite love, infinite comfort, and infinite glory. And one of my favorite descriptors of God is that he has everything he needs. He's like perfectly self-sufficient, and he doesn't actually need anything from me. And I like, the human part of me is like, no, God, like I wanna do something for you, but what I know is that it's actually so much more freeing to live in that kind of relationship and God is, God's awesome, and he's blessed. So, um, this is just kind of funny. I don't know, do people still use hashtag blessed on like social media? Is that a thing? No, okay. All right, Annie, thank you very much, I needed that, okay. So, when you would say like hashtag blessed, it's often referring to like you getting favor from somebody else, right? God is blessed beyond all comparison. And he, he's blessed because he owns and created literally everything, so he doesn't, like, actually need anything or need to be shown favor by anyone. And his power, his glory, and research are so big, it's, like, literally impossible for me to contextualize that. Um, and one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God's infinite. His love is vast. But, and here's the beautiful thing. Like, that makes God seem like he's some kind of, like, faraway creature, right? Like, he's just, like, up there, like, pulling the strings. But we get a clue in verse 3 that that's not the case, that actually he's incredibly intimate, okay? So in verse 3, we know that God is the God of all comfort, but he's also the Father of mercies. And here's the definition of mercy. I know you guys all know what it means, but I want to actually share this with you because I think it's, it's actually really beautiful compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. God is all-powerful. He's got all the power in the world. He's got the infinite resources, but he would take time out of his day to walk with me and show me mercy, that he would be with me and he would be intimate because he's both a righteous God but a loving Savior. And when I was kind of processing in my life when times that I, I would kind of realized that God is huge, like God is big. I, I thought back to, uh, to a moment I had at the hotel, shout out to Kenny. Um, I work at a hotel on this, like, for like a part-time job and one of the things that we do is we deliver bags up to rooms, okay? So I knew, like the hotel staff was like, okay, Mr. White is in town. And to me, I'm like, cool. Literally, I have no idea who that is, that's fine. And I remember bringing up a, a bags to the 28th floor and this guy opened the door. It's like huge dude. And there were like six other dudes in the room. I was like, okay, whatever. And I unloaded all the bags. And then the guy who opened the door like pointed to this guy in the corner and was like, Dana, tip this guy. Some of you guys are like, okay. In that moment, I was like, holy cow, this is Dana White, like the president of the UFC. These guys, okay. So I thought he was famous, whatever. Okay, <laughs> Dana White, okay. And here's what he does. Out of his pocket he pulls out what I believe to be about $20,000, okay? Like you work at a hotel like this long enough and you know what a stack looks like. And this was like two, it was like two and it was like bound by a rubber band. And this is what he does, I kid you not. He takes 100 off the top and just holds it out for me. I literally don't even think we made eye contact the entire time. He just holds it out for me, I run, I like grab it, I go downstairs, I'm like, yo, boys, what up? I just got tipped 100 bucks from Dana White, and they're all like, yo, what up? And then, you know, it's a good moment, okay? Okay. Here's why that moment was awesome. It was because it meant so much to me, but it was so easy for Dana to give. And that is, like, who God is, right? Because why was it easy for Dana to give me that $100 bill? It's because his net worth is $500 million. Like, Him giving me that hundred is like me giving you a post-it note, and I would like feel kind of bad of letting that go, but I would be like, whatever, you deserve it, right? Like, that would be fine, okay? Um, I'm, I'm losing the point. All right. Here's the thing. When I'm in a tough place, I don't actually think of God like that. I don't actually think of him as somebody who wants to give me comfort. Right, like when I'm in a tough place, I'm like, okay, I gotta shell down. I gotta figure this out on my own. I gotta do this thing on my own. But the truth is, God actually just holds out comfort for you, and all you have to do is just take it. And it's so easy for Him. Like He's got so much of it to give you, and that's the beautiful thing, is we serve a God who's just so loving, and so beautiful. So who is God? Right. God is the God of infinite power, resources, and love he's compassionate beyond all measure, and that running to his arms is the most comforting place I could ever be. But I know for me, and I know for you, that you don't actually always believe that, right? Like, if you've lived this life long enough, you know that you don't actually always believe that God is the God of all comfort. And for me, I go to, like, a lot of other really stupid stuff like when i'm struggling i'll like go hit like a really long workout and like it won't make me feel any better like i'll go try to you know i don't know pay off loans faster i don't know if people do that but pay off loans faster i'll try to like do things i'll like try to pursue like performance or or like an internship or like a job but at the end of the day like that all sucks because the truth is the comfort that we were made for and designed for it's one of a little kid running into the arms of his father not getting a good pump, okay? So what is it that you run to? What is it? Like, are you sitting here afraid of your future, right? Are you the person who's like, if I don't get an internship between sophomore and junior year, my life is a wreck? Are you that person? Are you running to the things of this world for your comfort? And I get it, but, but what I want you to do... Is in those moments where you're, like, questioning whether to seek your comfort. I want you to remember that he's with you, okay, that he hasn't left you, that one of the most beautiful things about God is that when he says that he's the Father of mercies and that he's with you, he actually meant it, and here's how he did it. He sent us his only son, okay? So in John, it says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Right? So Jesus came to dwell among us, but he didn't stop there. But when he died, when he died, resurrected, and ascended, he promised us and actually delivered to us the Holy Spirit. So I want to read out a few verses of who the Holy Spirit is and why I believe that the intimacy of God is actually within us. Okay? John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. John 14, 17, he dwells with you and will be in you and in fact Jesus even goes and says this crazy thing that it's actually better that he leaves which is wild because like Jesus was awesome but he says in John 16:17 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away for if i do not go away the helper will not come to you the holy spirit can be translated to helper counselor or comforter that jesus would live die And resurrect to actually reside in you and so that's how you know that these aren't just cliche claims that's how you know that God wasn't just playing around when he said he's the God of all comfort but he actually meant it and he sent somebody so that he could be within you okay point number two God comforts those who suffer I don't have transitions you guys probably noticed but whatever okay Uh, God comforts those who suffer Through you, Okay, so I want to read out verse four, if we can all look at verse four. Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Okay, this is like a wild verse that actually took a while for me to get. Okay, so in verse five, let's just go there. When the Bible repeats a word, okay, look at it, because it probably really means it, okay? So abundantly means to flow over, to exceed in measure in the Greek, okay? So when Paul is talking about that, he's talking about abundantly sharing in Christ's sufferings, but also abundantly sharing in his comfort. So what does Paul mean when he's talking about Christ's sufferings? He means about the sufferings of his earthly ministry. So if you guys know about the way that Jesus interacted, it was amazing, like beautiful beyond measure. He, he came to, to serve, not to be served, right? Like, like he would put on a towel to like clean out the grime in his disciples' feet when he was like the king of the universe. So, so the sufferings of Jesus is to set aside his status so he could love radically, to live a life of humility and servitude. Like that's who Jesus is. And that's the sufferings that we endure. If you've put your identity in Christ, you're gonna rub against that at some point in your life. And it's not easy to put aside your status or what you want, but it's, but it's better because we have Christ's comfort. So I, okay, this is I know not I love Paul because like the way that he sets up even each individual verse is there's like beautiful logic where he's always pointing to the reason. So the reason why we can go through those sufferings is because we have an abundancy in Christ's comfort and if you've ever experienced the comfort of jesus it's it's so much better than literally anything this world can offer you and i've been really blessed to have the opportunity to like you know go paragliding over my hometown in korea i've had some really cool opportunities and those were all great but they literally don't even compare to the comfort that i feel on my sabbath when i'm like 2 hours into a dogwood cold brew and i'm just reading the bible and spending time with jesus like it's like actually categorically better. Um, And so in verse four, we see so that, okay? So we now, we, we know that once we identify with Christ and his sufferings and we identify with his comfort, we now have received this like comfort that's beautiful and that's crazy, okay? In verse four, it says so that, which is another Bible hack, just like zoom in when it says that. One of the most beautiful ways that God loves us is actually by comforting others through us. And he says in verse 4 that because of the comfort that we receive from God, we are now able to comfort others, which is amazing because I can't even comfort myself most of the time, to be completely honest. And, like, neither can you. And so I don't actually feel like I have the opportunity to comfort others, but I actually can live in the freedom of knowing that God's comfort allows me to comfort others. Um, And I was thinking about a moment in my life where this... This made sense, and, okay, I, I tell a lot of gym stories. I don't know. That's like, that's, like, my only hobby, so that's, like, all I've got. Like, I'm pretty bad at most other things, so that's, you know, move, like, iron from place another. Okay. So I was at the gym, all right? It was 6 a.m. on a Friday morning, all right? So this was after SALT on Thursdays, and if you've been to UMN SALT, we, like, close profile down, and I'm really old, so, like, I like to get in bed by 9 o'clock, but that doesn't happen on Thursdays. Um, so I remember waking up and just like hating myself because I was like, okay, I have to go because I told myself I would go, but I really don't want to, okay? So I was there, kind of feeling bad for myself, whatever. Out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy at six in the morning. There's literally four of us in that gym and three of us have headphones on and we all look mad. This guy was doing Fortnite dances at six in the morning on a Friday. And I was like what in the world is going on here? Okay, God, okay. I like, heard this voice, and I don't know. God was like, go talk to him. And I was like, no. But I always lose those arguments, so I went and talked to him. Because <laughs> um, that's just what God does. Um, long story short, we went and got dinner that weekend. We hung out. We were gonna go to like this authentic place, but then we went to Applebee's because as is life, you know? Okay, uh, yep, so... So we started talking and the conversation went like from just like super surface level stuff. Like, oh, what's your favorite body part split? And then literally within 30 (laughs) seconds, it got like, yeah, some of you guys are like, whatever, he's such a bro. Okay, literally within 30 seconds, it went from that to like the deepest conversation I think I've ever had in my entire life. And we went from talking about just random crap and like moving iron around to talking about his childhood. And here's why I think this verse is important, okay? This is the the application to your life, is when you hear pain that's so painful you don't have words to say, this verse is gonna come in handy. And he started telling me about his life and how he moved to the United States a couple years ago from Africa, and he moved here to actually live with his father. His father abandoned him as a child Had only lived with him for maybe three months out of his 22 years of age. And that that when he got here to live with his father, his father's step, his father's wife told his father to choose between her or him. So, as an 18 year old kid with no money, no stability, he got kicked out of his father's home for the second time. And so he had been working full time going to community college, saving up enough money so that he could fly his sick mom to America so she could have better health care. And when you hear a story like that, it's like everything stops moving. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a busy restaurant, but I could just see and feel the pain in his soul. And I remember inviting him to church and he said this one thing that broke my heart, and he said, I haven't been to church in years. I would love to come, but I just feel like I can't step foot into a heavenly father who forgives me when I don't ever think I can ever forgive my earthly father for what he's done to me. And in that moment, I just felt like Jesus was telling me, tell him, tell him I love him. Like, tell him it's okay. And so I remember telling him, that I don't have the words to say, that I don't, there's no book that I can think of that would help him, there's no podcast, there's nothing. All I could tell him was that Jesus loved him and that it was okay to come into the arms of the Father even when you're messed up, even when you're broken, even when you can't forgive, even when it hurts, even when just stepping foot into that room will make you feel shame and guilt for the life that you've grown up in. It is okay. And in fact, God wants that because he loves you He loves you so much, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And my friend, he's been coming to Salt City almost every week for the last six months, and every time I see him, I thank God that he would use someone as broken as me to communicate the truth. You don't have to look that far to see pain. Because racism, abuse, self-harm, suffering, that's all around us. And you may think that you live in a safe bubble, but you can literally walk two blocks that way and you will see plenty of that. And here's the thing is you don't actually, okay, what God is saying is you don't actually have to experience it firsthand to actually portray truth that live in the freedom that he's called you into. That when you you accept Jesus and when Jesus enters your soul and starts to reconfigure the pieces of your heart, that he actually gives you the capacity and the agency, not because you can comfort yourself, but because you have the comfort of Christ. And you can now speak life into people's lives even when you don't know. And here's why, it's because When you know Jesus, you know you're not the answer to this world's problems. I'm not the answer to this world's problems. Neither are you. None of us are. But through the courage and the confidence of knowing that Jesus is, we can live radically different lives. And we can love people deeply in ways they've never been loved before. And we can speak life into situations that we may not have at first experienced. Point three. Transitions. Your hope is unshaken. Okay? Verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What is your hope in? And that's the question I've been asking myself for weeks as I've been reading this text. What is your hope in? What is my hope in? Seriously, like not what you would tell me or your mom or even your C group, okay? What what is your hope in? Because Paul in verse 7 is saying that his hope is unshaken. And it can't be because of the Corinthians, and it's not. It's because we share both in the sufferings of Christ and the comforts of Christ. And if you know anything about Paul, you know that that there were many instances in his life where his hope could have been shaken, right? Like Paul the apostle, he's just a baller. And like, has just, oh my gosh. Like the New Testament is just so fun to read. Okay, Paul went through beatings, shipwrecks, Floggings, which is like getting your whip, your back whipped with like pieces of bone and met. like he went through everything, and he had so many points where his hope could have been unshaken for himself and for the Corinthians. But what he says is that's not true, because he he identifies with the sufferings of Christ and the the comforts of Christ. So we can suffer well, okay. And 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 Paul and the other apostles talks about suffering well because. No matter what we go through, we have Jesus. If you, if you know Jesus, you know that no matter what you go through that you have him. And so here's the question I want you to ask yourself. What's that one thing that if you no longer had, you know that you would just start to crumble? Is it like your career? Like if you got fired tomorrow, is it your health? Is it your status? Is it your like, attractiveness? Like what is it? And, and the Paul lost literally all of it, okay? He went from being like this like really baller, like he says he was ascending in Judaism beyond many of his own years. Like he had the status, he had the stuff. And then he met Jesus and his whole world flipped because he realized that Jesus was better. Verse six, I just love this verse. It's just so cool. I'm just gonna read it again. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. What Paul's saying is that regardless of whether he's comforted or suffering, that it's actually for them, okay? So, like, his situation doesn't matter. That's what he's essentially saying in this scenario, that that no matter what he goes through, it's for them, okay? And and here's the beautiful thing about Christian hope versus worldly hope, okay? Okay? Worldly Hope says, get out of suffering as soon as possible, which, like, sorry, Josh is just, okay, hi, Josh, all right, anyways, I just saw his face, and I just started laughing, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, get in here, man, get in here, good stuff, okay, all right, hello, Josh Langland, I missed you, Okay. Okay, so worldly hope, we're gonna bring it back, says that get out of suffering as fast as possible, right? Like, it's not, like, they're like, why sit in suffering for longer than you have to just get out, okay? Christian hope says, regardless of my situation, I have Jesus. And so my comfort is foundationally in Christ, so it doesn't matter. Like, so we can suffer well, right? Worldly hope, and this is the one that has affected me my entire life, says, whatever you're in right now, it's all on you to get yourself out of it. Whatever hole you think you're in, you did it to yourself, so get out of it yourself. Christian hope says, I'm not the source of my own uncomfort, so I can live in the freedom of knowing that I don't have to get myself out of anything, that Jesus has been so good to me. So one of the things that is genuinely really hard for me and something that I'm trying to get better at is to be vulnerable, to be authentic. And so I want to let you guys into a piece of my life. And um, (laughs) 19 years ago, Korea went through a recession. And so my dad got laid off from his job at LG. And actually, the Korean airport was turning away most people who wanted to leave. But he told them that he was going to America for business and he was bringing his family with him. And they believed him because he had an LG jacket on. And so we came on a business visa and we never left. And my parents spent their entire life savings to pay for a lawyer to get a green card because they didn't know the culture, customs, or the language of this new place. And the first job my dad ever got was working as an overnight janitor at a school in Memphis, Tennessee, making four and a half dollars an hour. Here's what's true. Something I struggle with every day, and something I've struggled with a lot this past month, is I have this deep-seated fear of financial instability in my heart, and it's so deep that I didn't actually even realize the extent of it, right? And so when I got to college, here's the way that I tried to fight that. I tried to fight that by killing myself working. And so I would work 16-hour days on 16-hour days on 16-hour days, and I even remember a winter break my freshman year where I worked 84-hour weeks. Why? Because an 84-hour week was painful, but it was nothing compared to a seven-year-old wondering if we were going to be able to afford rent the next month. And so that's how I fought it. And it actually created in me this anger that I'm still struggling with today. Anger towards my parents. Anger towards people that I thought had it better to me. Anger towards God. Saying, if you're so good, why are we, so, why are we struggling? I remember this moment where I was just frustrated by my lack of faith. And because I, was call, I felt like I was called into ministry, and so I felt like that was just a huge win because I kind of thought at that point, it's like, okay, if I say yes to this, then all that will go away, right? Like all that pain will go away, but what it did was it, it opened up inside of me pain that I didn't even know I had. And God wanted to teach me that, that comfort comes from him. And so I remember on December 5th, 2018, I know this because I have a journaling Bible and you can write stuff on the side. I wrote down this date. On December 5th, 2015, I'd slept one hour and I, I, I couldn't sleep so I went downstairs and I opened up Matthew 14. And essentially the reason why I couldn't sleep is because I was trying to decide and have enough faith to start the ministry job in July 1st instead of January 1st of the next year. Now, the difference in this scenario was that if I would start in July 1st, I would take 21 credits in my spring, take summer classes, and graduate with loans, and that just scared me. It scared me to graduate with loans, and I, it was a lot of pride in my heart of just not wanting to do that. If I would start January 1st, I would be loan free And in my opinion, I just wouldn't have to stress about it, right? And I had felt like God was telling me to start July 1st, and I had felt like he had been so faithful this last year, showing me that it's okay, that my worth is not in, my identity is not this poor immigrant boy, but it's in the kingdom of God, that I'm with Jesus now. And I thought I had it all under wraps, but the truth is, I was struggling. And so on December 5th, 2018, I started to read the story of Jesus walking on water, Now, for those of you guys who aren't aware of, like, what this story looks like, it's where Jesus is on water. His disciples are in a boat. They're like, holy cow, is that a ghost? And he's like, no, it's me. And then um, (laughs) Peter is just, like, so funny. Peter is like, well, me too. So he he takes a step out of the boat. And so the, the Bible says that he took a step out of the boat, but he began to sink when he saw the waves, Okay. So in that moment, I felt like I was Peter. I felt like I was like, man, Jesus, you are so good. I want to have faith. So I took a step out of the boat, and then he showed, like, all the waves. And so I began to sink. But here's what turned around this moment for me is in verse 31, which says that Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him. That even when Peter was sinking, Jesus was like, dude, you're an idiot, but I love you, and just grabbed him. And in that moment, I felt what it was like to be truly comforted. Where I didn't have to work for it anymore. I didn't have to try to strive for something, but I could just stand and be a weak, crying little boy in the arms of my father. That I did not have the answers, right? I couldn't even sleep, but I knew that Jesus would carry me through. And making that decision was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And it's allowed me to be here with you guys today, which is pretty cool. Here's the point. Jesus brought me out of the pain, not by my own will or my own strength, but by reminding me of who he is. That, yes, I was scared of the future. Yes, I didn't have all the answers. But I knew that even if I failed every single day, that immediately Jesus would reach out his hand and grab me. The reason our hope is unshaken is he is who he says he is. Okay? We talked about this in verse three, but God is the God of all comfort and infinite resource. But he's not just that, he's deeply compassionate and he's intimate in the way that he loves you. And so, how do we know? Right, like what's the proof in the pudding? You've just talked about a couple verses. How do we know that God actually cares for you and cares for me the way that he says he does? We know this because God did the most painful thing in all of history. By his design, he experienced the greatest suffering so he could be the greatest comforter. And he watched his son Get spit on, beaten, mocked, on the cross, and he just had to look while Jesus Christ screamed, Abba, Abba, why have you forsaken me? What this message is not saying is that your comforting isn't, your suffering isn't real. It is. Whatever you're going through, it's genuinely real. And I know at some points it feels like it's hopeless, right? Like some points it gets so hard that you're like, man, I don't know if I can go another day. But here's what's true. God knows that I will never know and someone else will never know. But God will know because he loves you he loves and knows you in a deeper way and, he, and, he, and he's experienced deeper pain than you've ever experienced. That by his design, he's experienced the greatest suffering so he could be the greatest comforter. So he is infinite in his resource and all he wants to do is hold out that $100 bill and give it to you. If you're here, and you've never experienced what it likes, look, feels like to be in true comfort before. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing about this life. Because when Jesus took a hold of my soul for the first time ever, I felt like it was OK, that I didn't have to know. That I didn't have to be okay. That I didn't have to have everything figured out to be loved. That I didn't have to live up to the standards that I felt like I had to live up to. That I didn't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. I could just be loved. I could just be held. Because Jesus loved me before I was lovely. He loved me when I was broken. He loved me when I was a poor immigrant kid and I was angry at God, shaking my fists and saying, if you are so good, then why am I in so much pain? He loved me every step of the way. And he loved me enough to die for me, to rise again so that he could reside in me. He loves me now. And he's the God of all comfort. And my prayer for you is that you would live in the freedom of knowing that you don't have to manufacture your own comfort, but you can live in the freedom of knowing who Jesus is and how much he loves you. Let me pray. God, I'm, I'm blown away by your love. The fact that you are a God of infinite resource, that you are so glorious and so powerful, yet you would show mercy, that you would be intimate in your love, that you would send your only son to be with me, that I could never deserve what you've done for me, but you have been so good to me. Thank God I just pray, I pray that we wouldn't forget that this week, that when we're we're feeling broken and scared and afraid, we would know that, yes, suffering is real, but your comfort is more real, your comfort is bigger, your comfort is greater, and it overtakes any suffering that we could ever go through because you, by design, experienced the greatest suffering so that you could be the greatest comforter. God, I'm grateful that you came to serve and to not be served, to love people when they didn't love you, and to live the life that no one else could live. In your name I pray, amen.